Save the date for the 12th of September. Join our webinar on digital transformation in manufacturing. We are exploring how IoT, AI and smart factories are reshaping our sector. Hear from industry leaders like Airbus, Rolls-Royce and Heriot Watt University. This is a must attend for professionals and decision makers in manufacturing. So register now at resources.red-fern.co.uk slash webinar. That's resources.red-fern.co.uk slash webinar. The link is also in the description. It was a real pleasure to speak with Sean Redfern, the CEO of Redfern Media this week. We learned loads about his story from starting his career in the print industry to building one of the most innovative manufacturing focused agencies around today. He told us in detail about the ups and downs of growing a successful agency from humble beginnings to a team of over 20 passionate employees with a stable of global manufacturing clients. We discussed what makes Redfern different to other agencies, why they chose to focus on manufacturing and what value that delivers to their clients. And also we talked about why now is the right time to launch this very podcast. From Redfern Media, this is Remake Manufacturing. My guest this week is Sean Redfern, the CEO and owner of Redfern Media and the brains behind the Remake Manufacturing podcast. This is episode one, so we thought it would be a good idea to kick things off with Sean to explain the journey his agency has been on so far, what the future looks like, and why he's decided now is a good time to launch a new podcast all about manufacturing. Welcome, Sean. Hi there, how are you? Very good. Uh, yeah, we're, we're all good in London, so whereabouts are you based? Uh, so we are in the centre of the earth, which is uh, Burnley, central Lancashire. <laughs> all roads lead there, I hear. They do, they do. Uh, we have a premiership team, so that's why people know where we are now. Otherwise, they wouldn't. On the map, good to hear. Yeah. Well, before we get into the nitty gritty, you know those streets pretty well because you're a, a superbike racer. Is that tell us? Tell us a little bit about that. How many <laughs> broken bones have you had? Yeah, I wish I was a superbike, a professional one, anyway. But um, yeah, probably spent about ten years amateur racing, and um, yeah, three concussions and a broken collarbone later. I'm three years away from giving it up, so yeah. <laughs> three years away, so... <laughs> three years away. I promised, I promised my wife I'd give it up by the age of 50, so three more years and I think uh, we'll see how it goes. But COVID's uh, obviously had an impact on that as well, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah. you've, you've given away your age there, so we've already got oh, some of the secrets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, let's talk about um, Redfern then. So uh, you started off in the print industry. How did you transition from designing media for print to setting up Redfern back in 2004? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's funny, actually, because, I mean, I literally left school and the day after I was working in a printing apprenticeship, uh, you know, I'd got that printing apprenticeship straight away, so I didn't go to university or anything, but, um, yeah, four years at that printing apprenticeship, and then immediately the day that apprenticeship finished, I literally gave my notice in and went to work for Hallmark Cards um, to work in the printing industry at a more industrial level or manufacturing-based level, if I can call it that in the reprographic section. So it was always the, the computer side of print that I was interested in. You know, I, I did learn the machines as well, but uh, from a manufacturing side of things, but it was more the computer side. Um, spent about three years at Hallmark Cards, and then I was lucky enough to get a job at a printers, which isn't around anymore, but they were called Car Print. And they used to print all the scratch cards for all the national newspapers back in the day. So, you know, it was like printing money for that printing company in those <laughs> in, in the 90s. Cause, Good you business. Know, they, yeah, they were premium 
scratch cards, big prizes, and literally you could work seven days a week if you wanted to and earn a lot of money. So from being 23 years old, it was a good industry to be in at that time, yeah. Good foundation there. Yeah, and then, like I say, I was there for 13 years. You could see... Uh, you know, I worked myself up there to be in works manager. So looking after all the presses, all the staff, you know, about 65 people. And then could see, obviously, the print industry declining um, just because the internet was kicking off. And spent about two and a half, three years drinking lots of red wine <laughs> and uh, locking myself away learning coding to a certain level. I think that is the best way to learn coding with a, with a bottle of wine. With a bottle hand, of red it? wine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I learned it to a certain point and then started to put the feelers out there and I ended up, you know, giving the job up where I was at and um, freelancing for a few agencies around the Northwest for the web work and then just got busier and busier really. So built up a good reputation and then, you know, Redfern was born out of being able to sell a website. So yeah, that was kind of the journey to the point of launching Redfern really just by myself. Yeah. And was it hard making that leap from being employed by a company to, to taking the reins yourself? Yeah, there's a big conscious decision. I mean, the company that um, that I mentioned there, Carprint, actually did go into administration just because of the print industry, the way that it went at the time with the scratch cards. Um, I spent about another six months just working on a consultancy basis with print companies, but it just wasn't for me. And I just I was in a good position because my wife was actually she was art director at a big greeting card company as well, so she'd kind of given me the sturdy ship I needed to jump ship and take the time to uh, focus on on building a business. And was it just the, the two of you back in the beginning or, or you on your own? It was me on my own for Redfern, but obviously my wife supported me at every step of that way. So you could say it was a partnership all the way through. Um, <laughs> but it was I'm myself. sure she'd see it that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was, um, but yeah, it was myself, you know, the coding that allowed me to sell a website. Yeah. And how long did it take for you to sort of turn the corner and get on the road that you're on today? Yeah. Um, first member of staff probably took about eight months. Um, but you don't set, I don't think any agency owner sets out to build an agency. You just set out enjoying doing what you're doing and then it turns into a business. Right. So you are at that point, you either decide whether you want to be a business owner or whether you want to stay being a creative or being a marketer, whatever, you know, whatever that is. Um, yeah, hooker by crook, I ended up with the decision of building an agency. So eight months in first member of staff, Probably about three or four years in, we were up to about eight members of staff. And we kind of teetered along there for quite some years, to be honest. We were, you know, a decent agency, you know, a good living, I suppose. But then three, four years ago, we actually took the decision to go on this, you know, the, the word fast growth was being banded about. So we thought, let's have a look at what fast growth actually means for an agency. And we actually ended up um, partnering with a, a consultant who we still work with today called Jonathan Leaf who owned an agency called Strawberry. And the last three, four years, we've gone, you know, from eight staff up to 20 staff. So, it, you know, we we are on a fast growth path and, you know, I'm sure we'll touch on it, but the weighting of our customers are manufacturing-based customers. Sure, sure. I mean, so that fast growth really paid off then? It has, yeah, definitely. It's uh, It's been an exciting time bringing staff into the business that are specialised in what they do. and And also from... I suppose from an agency owner's perspective, understanding how to let go of certain things and let other people take the reins in different areas of the business so that you can focus on that growth side of, of, of what you're trying to achieve. 
I guess it's always difficult when you've built everything yourself not to want to micromanage all the aspects, but uh, trust people to to do their bit as well. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it came about this week actually with the Wow Agency who who uh, look after our books, and they've actually convinced me uh, to get a bookkeeper now so that I don't do all the books. <laughs> oh well, that sounds like a, a job that you might not really want to do. But uh, no, well, I think the finances of an agency it's, it's something you always want to have. You want to have your on, finger but, on it, yeah, 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 yeah for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And so any other any other big milestones over the last 17 years that you want to share with us? Yeah, I think, you know, winning our first big manufacturer, you know, so somebody like uh, it's, the brand is Torreson, but the uh, company that owns that brand is called the Senator Group, you know, working with global manufacturers that are turning over 150 million plus, you know, milestones like that are pretty, I suppose, impressive sometimes, you know, mm, yeah, but very you, impressive. You, you, you need time to step back and actually look at what you've achieved um but yeah the milestones of winning clients like that and just i suppose always having an eye on new technologies you know that's one thing that we i suppose always constantly trying to put that milestone in front of us not behind us but in front of us that you know to adapt new technology to to align with whatever companies we might potentially work with well, let's dig into that a little bit and just tell us sort of in general what type of manufacturing clients you typically work with and what problems are you helping to solve? Yeah, I mean, there's no specific niche in manufacturing that we go after because, you know, like I said, from my background in manufacturing and the businesses that we, that we do work with, it's all process driven. Technology plays a big part in that process. And then obviously you've got your marketing and product development side of of whatever is being manufactured. So so, you know, I suppose to touch on the point of what problems do we solve, the, the first engagement that has to happen is what we class as the discovery stage. And it, it is the most important part. Um, we've just done a piece with another client, another manufacturer, where we spent two to three months actually delving into their business and then writing a full strategy document that detailed what they actually needed and actually ended up saving them around £150,000 that they thought they had to spend and pulling that right back to just a, a lot more of a simple strategy to achieve the goals they wanted to achieve. So the discovery phase... Um, you could say we did ourselves out of a big paycheck there, but you know it's the whole point of building a partnership for long term. Yeah, it's it's all about building trust, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and the, you know the long businesses grow together. You know we're not here, you know, just for ourselves. We're here to grow with the partners that we work with. So yeah, that discovery phase is the key, and the document that we create from that discovery phase, what you know, where we say the strategy. You know, it, the document could be 10 pages deep. It could be 150 pages deep. It all depends on what that manufacturer is looking to achieve, whether it's process optimization, um, you know, with a bespoke system or whether it's marketing goals, lead generation goals. You know, that document really does define and position what they want to achieve, how we will work with them and what that road ahead looks like. And then the next phase that, that we fall into after that is the implementation is just again agreeing how we're going to work together what that estimated timeline looks like and who are the stakeholders you know we, we always use this term but who's the alpha team and who's the beta team before it goes to public or general release um and then once yeah once that implementation is happening just making sure that there's clear transparent conversations and reporting which in turn leads itself into a long-term partnership you know and that's again that's where we're always aiming for is that long-term goal together and so just offering them everything they could possibly need from nose to tail to make sure they get what they're after. Yeah, I mean, we we don't see ourselves as a service agency. You know, we, we have an, 
a number of capabilities within our agency. So again, strategy, design, development, app development, content marketing, SEO, integrations with you know enterprise systems if we need to do that. So these are all the capabilities and skills that we have within the business. Once we understand the goals of a manufacturing company, we then say that in month one to six, these are the capabilities that you need. Month seven to eight, uh, month seven to 12, these are the capabilities that you need. So it's very much a, a moldable process, but aligned with, again, that end vision. Mm-hmm. Can you give us an example then of a client campaign that you're particularly proud of so you can sort of bring this to life a little bit? Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, the one that I touched on earlier with um, the Senator group of, you know, we, we've engaged with each other now for the last probably 18 months altogether. We've launched a website project for them. I can't really say much more about it because it is top secret, top secret. <laughs> but yeah, we've, we've launched a, a, you know, a website project with them. Um, and that then led into discussions around integrations for their dealer network uh, around the UK and Europe, which then led into this whole strategy piece that we did with them over a three-month period. So it was a paid piece of engagement, which from an agency perspective is good because not many agencies get paid for that initial thought leadership and discovery. You know, you're kind of trying to win the business before you give the solution. But, you know, that was a paid piece of strategy. And then, like I said, the document itself was a 150-page document we were so proud of it to sit around the table with them and, and to actually help them identify that they didn't need to spend as much money as they wanted to. So the document was the key driver to building that long-term relationship, which it, it is happening because we've started in the marketing um, sector with them now to start doing paid marketing with them for specific products that they're going to be uh, putting out there on different websites. So why did you settle on manufacturing as a niche to focus on in the first place? Because of my history, you know, within manufacturing and then obviously building the agency up and the Northwest itself inherently has a large manufacturing population, if I can say that, with some very big global manufacturing businesses in seating, in plastics, aerospace. And over the three to five years, we've kind of started to pivot this way towards manufacturing. Our portfolio has got a very big weighting of working with some, you know, some very successful and some very large manufacturing businesses. And you must have noticed some big changes in manufacturing over the last decade or so. Can you sort of point to some of the big things that you've seen shifting? Yeah, I mean, COVID obviously has, has made a, a, a bigger lasting effect over the last 12 months for those businesses. But the, the three biggest investments that we see manufacturers make, and especially, like I say, over this last 12 months is, and I'll put this in order of, of ranking as well, is the marketing is third at the moment, purely because the marketing tap is the easiest one to turn on and off when it comes to um, budgets and reacting to global pandemics. Um, the website of repositioning a website and getting making sure that the technology um, and the websites and the customer journey and the customer experience is up to where it needs to be was the second biggest investment because I think a lot of manufacturers are, are looking post-pandemic and making sure that those assets are in the position that they need to be. But then also looking at bespoke systems, so the internal processes, how can technology help with those internal processes, whether it's reducing costs, whether it's speeding up certain processes or the time involved for data, documentation, paper-based systems, which we've replaced over the last two years. Um, so yeah, they're, they're the biggest changes that we've seen across the sector. 
And, and if you're comparing manufacturing to other industries, what, what do you think the specific challenges and issues are that you guys are facing? I think for manufacturers to adopt technology much quicker. I mean, I know that, you know, manufacturing 4.0 is, has been a, a buzzword for quite some time, but I think we do see a lot of manufacturers a bit reticent to fast track some of that technology. And that's what COVID has actually done, to be fair. You know, we won quite a few companies at the start of COVID because of that reason. But I think it's to keep that momentum of, you know, adopting the technology, you know, whether it's things like augmented reality, which is is what we're working on with some customers now, you know, for product development, um, customer engagement. So it's, yeah, just keep that adoption of um, technology at the, at the foresight of your, your thoughts. And and tell us then, what makes Redfern stand out from other agencies who are also in this sector working with manufacturing? Our approach to technology and always be open to adopting new technologies is is kind of where we see ourselves standing apart from other agencies. Um, to be honest, I don't actually know of another agency in the Northwest at least that focus on the manufacturing sector and have all the capabilities required in-house to fulfill you know the visions and the goals of a manufacturing business whether that's technology like i say whether that's technology driven or a marketing or a sales driven goal and then just going back to to covid i mean it's been a tough 12 months for everybody um how do you think covid and brexit as well has affected manufacturing massively i think um i think every business at the start of covid took that initial four weeks to just stand back and see how the dust was settling to, you know, to be able to put a business strategy in place. But as soon as that, I suppose that line was crossed, you know, we had an influx of manufacturing businesses um, approach us to look at developing systems, look at repositioning their website, look at their whole marketing strategy. And we're still working with those businesses now, 12 months on, but I think the added pressure of Brexit I was speaking to a, a client yesterday, you know, they've got uh, the whole supply chain that manufacturing relies on, you know, you know, they've got parts stuck in Tokyo waiting to get over here. Mm. And a lot of people actually are saying that it's not actually um, Britain that doesn't know what it's doing. It's Europe that doesn't know what it's doing with the paperwork. Wow. So yeah, I think it's tough challenges ahead. Some, yeah. some obstacles to get over before they resolve everything. It- I mean, I think we all know that now. Yeah, and I think, like I say, supply chain is a massive part of manufacturing and, you know, Brexit has, has definitely added a, an, an additional hurdle to that, but hopefully, you know, that can be navigated over the next 12 months. It's another 12 months of navigating Brexit for a lot of manufacturers, yeah. Yeah, so a lot of work just kind of building confidence again and telling everyone that everything is back on track. So hope in the future, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's deliveries. Delivery times are extended. Production, manufacturing times are all extended purely because you can't get the pieces or the widgets into your business that you need to be able to fulfill your manufacturing process. So that's, yeah, that's a big challenge for them uh, over the next 12 months. All right. Well, let's switch to talking about this podcast itself, Remake Manufacturing. Yeah. Tell us why we were doing this. Why have you decided to create this podcast now? So we, like I say, the the waiting that we have with manufacturers, we want to start adding value to their businesses. And I think, you know, having an an outward outward approach with, with our vision of trying to get manufacturers to adopt technology, to adopt marketing technology, to adopt inbound marketing, we know what value that can bring to manufacturers. And instead of us trying to I suppose, create a cold conversation with manufacturers to to be able to have those conversations. This show wants to really get 
influential people within manufacturing onto the show to talk about their challenges within their business so that not only can we understand it as an agency, but the wider manufacturing community can, I suppose, relate and speak together about those challenges. Um, you know, and if we can speak to the people that we've, you know, that we've potentially got lined up for this show, the amount of value that manufacturers across the different sectors within the industry and also the conversations and thought leadership we can bring to that those conversations i think will add a massive amount of value so who would be your ideal listenership who do you want to sort of attract to this and what do you want them to get from it too yeah i suppose if, if you've got like you know manufacturers i suppose the the entry-level manufacturers that we probably look at are, are, i suppose like a 1.5 million turnover all the way up to you know 160 million turnover so you, you're possibly there looking at a founder who's built his manufacturing business up to a certain level and he's looking to take that next step. So obviously he can gain value from other people that we'll have on the show that are C-suite, marketing execs, tech directors, you know, CEOs of global, you know, UK national brands and manufacturers that everybody knows. Yeah, absolutely. And what are you yourself hoping to learn from listening to these people? Uh, they're challenges. That's the biggest excitement or buzz that I get from owning an agency. And I've gone, you know, you go through all these different stages in your career of what do you actually enjoy doing? Uh, you know, design, technology, and solving problems. And you know, if you can bring all that together, um, yeah, hopefully it's a harmo harmonious uh, result at the end of it. Because if you understand the challenge, you can find the answers generally through creativity and technology. Yeah, for sure. And I guess, I mean, the other thing is that with everybody now sort of locked up at home for the foreseeable future, it's nice to be able to just put your headphones on and listen to like-minded people talking about the industry that you're interested in. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean I've, I've found so much value in podcasts over the last 12 months. Um, agency Deal Masters, there's one called The Two Bobs. And we've, and we've researched the manufacturing space for podcasts, and we definitely think that there is a, a niche available for what we are trying to get across and to get manufacturers engaged with what we're doing yeah i mean what would be the if you could put the message in a nutshell that you want everyone to take away what would you, you know, in, a, in a sentence what would you say every show will have its own value for whatever reason you know so if it's if we're into you know we've actually got lined up the global marketing manager for apex which is a global diving brand uh, as part of the aqualung uh, manufacturing business that's based in the US. We've potentially got the operations director for the Senator Group that possibly is going to be coming on the show as well. And then we've got um, James from On The Level that are a UK-based manufacturer for wet rooms. Um, so yeah, some very exciting guests. Well, again, wide range of guests and businesses, but uh, I'm sure there's value in each podcast. All with a different story to tell, I'm sure, about their experience. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, different journeys, you know, founder, owners, all the way up to somebody that's worked their way up to, you know, like a C-suite level role within a global manufacturer as well, yeah. Okay, and then finally, I'm going to spring a quick fire question on you. We're going to end the show the same way every time by asking our guests to tell us the one invention that if it was never manufactured, your life would be unbearable. What would you say has made the most impact on you? I'd love to say my iPhone, and I love Steve Jobs, but I'm not going to say the iPhone because I think I think at this point people need a break from technology more than they need. Than they need uh, it does as much harm as it does good. It does, it does, yeah. But uh, it would be it would be the uh, combustion engine, right? Because <laughs> I won't be I won't have a motorbike if we didn't have a combustion engine. So yeah, that that has to be 
um, you know, I suppose you could say the electric motorbike is the next thing, but uh, I think we hear what you're saying. It's it's the bike and everything inside it, it, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, what's next for you for you this week? Are you going to be driving your bike off anywhere interesting? Oh no, no, it's uh, I don't go on the road anymore. The roads are far too dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's just just track days and racing at the moment. Yeah. Okay, okay, keeping it safe. All right. Well, all it leaves me to say is thanks to today's guest, Sean Redfern. Subscribe to this podcast in all the usual places: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, and Google Music. Thanks for listening to this edition of Remake Manufacturing. I'm your host, Stuart Black. See you next time.